Thanks for checking out our Legacy Church podcast. We know you'll be blessed and encouraged. Now here's today's message. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad you joined us today. My name is Carlos, and this is my wife, Denise. And today we have an awesome panel that we have, and I want to invite them up. We're going to start off with um, Jared and Natalie Burrows, if they can come on. Jared and Natalie, they're awesome servants, leaders in this house. They have three beautiful kids, which is a blessing in itself. Our next uh, guest is going to be Chris and Kristen Baldwin, which they took the, the literal word, be fruitful and multiply here. And I think we're, we're following that path. I think uh, they're, they're, our wives are talking too much. <laughs> And then last but not least, Pastor Ron and Lori Tamale, if they couldn't come up. They've been married for 38 years. Come on, let's give a round of applause. Glory to God. 38 strong years, faithful years. So if you guys could find a seat, me and Denise, we're going to be hosting the panel. And just kind of introduce you, um, me and my wife. We've been married for eight years, which is awesome. We're, we're on that path. And Jared, how, how long have you guys been married? We've been married for 16 years. Wow, wow that's awesome. So definitely you guys are going to have listen to some wisdom, especially people of faith. I think that's important. This panel is leaders in church, people who put Jesus first. And we're all human, just like everyone else in this room. We've went through our struggles. We know what it feels like being under pressure, having the decision to make the right or wrong decisions. What we want in our heart is that God's heart through us and through our story. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Awesome. Pastor Ron, do you want to share anything before we get started? I want to share that Denise is having another baby. <laughs> there's, there's great competition in this church. Half a dozen here. Three, and almost four. But, but Denise has told us, Carlos, that she wants eight, something like that. Oh, seven. Seven. That's a good number, seven. But uh, as Carlos said, um, this time is, is for us to just kind of be honest. And I've asked the panel, just be genuine, be honest. I thank God that all of us are, are happily married. And, you know, sometimes marriage is not easy. But with the Lord, uh, all things are possible, and you can have a great marriage. And I want to speak to those that maybe have struggled in marriage, or maybe your marriage failed in the past and so forth. You know, I thank God that his mercy is new every morning. And God does not judge, but he does give us his word to help us do things the way that work. Amen? And so hopefully today that we're in our discussion that we, we hit a point that maybe you can grab as a married couple or maybe you're single here today. Listen to the wisdom. Listen to the experience that's up here that we'll be sharing. And grab hold of it and, and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because I think all of us, we all want happy marriages, right? And so with God, you can have it. You can have a great marriage. You can have great kids. You can raise a family of legacy that loves Jesus Christ. So hopefully this time helps. Next week, we're going to be talking to singles. And that's awesome, too. And then the week after that, we're going to be talking about parenting. 
So hopefully this month is a, a, a month where we build family. Amen? Awesome. So we're going to start kind of easy, I think. Um, the first question is, how did your relationship start? Who pursued who? And what was the first impression of your spouse? We're going to start with Chris and Kristen. <laughs> Ladies first. Well, we met when I was 14 and he was 21. So there was a ways to wait. But when we were, we were always in the youth group together. The, the youth group was really small at church. And um, he thinks this is hilarious. He loves to tell this story. But because the youth group was so small, we would go out to pizza every Friday night after church. And I would wait till there was no one to give me a ride home until he could re- give me a ride. So he thought I was irresponsible. He's like, who's this girl? What is she doing? But I lived right around the corner, so I knew it wasn't a big deal. But I knew what I was doing. I had my eyes on him. God told me already. And he just was in denial for a long time. <laughs> for, for many years, I guess. Um, I think uh, it, it, it didn't really register to me until she was 18, of course, until she was 18. So, <laughs> but um, there's nothing like somebody growing up in the house of God and, and just seeing the difference between uh, a woman that has grown up in this, uh, what a difference it is in their attitude, in, in their, their view of life and everything. So that, that, was a real, that was a real thing for me where it really uh, led me to her. Jared and Natalie? Hello? Jared pursued me. (laughs) Um, I don't remember how many months. It was um, quite a few months before we finally went on our first date. Um, 24. 24 months. I don't know if it was two years. At least I didn't know it was two years. (laughs) I thought it was like six months, but maybe, maybe he had his eye a little longer. Um, yeah, I pursued her for quite a while. I was in the friend zone for a long time. And uh, she, I remember I asked her, I said, we should start dating. And she hit me with this, I don't want to risk ruining my, our friendship. To which I replied, well, I do. So let's get this show on the road. I mean, it didn't work right away, but it worked a little while after. And uh, when we met, we met when we were both uh, in the Marines and we got married, uh, she was 22, I was 21, while we were both in, before we deployed. So we got married really young, 22 and 21. <laughs> Pastor Ron and Lori? Well, of course he pursued me, but he says the opposite. But we all know what's true about that. <laughs> but we met in church, which is a great place to meet. I highly suggest it. And what first attracted me to him was, first of all, he was a cutie. I have to admit that. But most of all, he had... (laughs) I used to be a hunk. Now I'm a chunk. (laughs) What really attracted me to him was his passion for the Lord. He was on fire for the Lord, and he played his guitar in the music ministry, and he just gave it all he got when he worshiped the Lord, and... That was something that was really attractive to me. Amen. You know, the first thing that people say everywhere we go to Lori is, are those your real eyes? And um, 
And so people are always attracted to her eyes. So I never made a big deal out of it. I told her I was attracted to her corduroy pants. <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, we, we met in church, and, and I remember um, we used to have offering where smaller churches do this. People would go up to the altar area and drop off their offering. And I rem- remember seeing this girl walking up. And um, the minute I saw her, bells went off. And, and I didn't know her. And, uh, and then she disappeared because she would go to Georgia for the summer. But uh, something clicked when I saw her. And when she came back, um, God set it up where I, um, she, she mentioned that she didn't have a ride to go to a singles outing. Uh, I didn't. So this is a long time ago. Yeah. Someone was inviting me to a singles harvest party at church, and he happened to walk by and said, Oh, Lori, if you want a ride, I'll certainly give you one. And that's how it started. That was a great move, I have to say. That, that move really worked. That is awesome. And even a plug for our young adults. We have a young adults ministry that happens gathering. When's the next one, Jenny? Next Sunday. So next Sunday, if you're single and love Jesus, <laughs> definitely join us. Um, and how me and Denise met, we met very young as well, but we were friends. We started as middle school friends. And what attracted me to Denise was, it's so funny. It's like these cheekbones when her smiles, when she smiles, those little cheekbones. I don't know. I just like always loved it. Um, and I pursued her. He was definitely friend zone for a very long time. Yes, yes, friend zone for a long time. And this is one thing I want to encourage for those who are pursuing or are interested in a girl. It's okay to build your foundation with, as a friendship. So many times, and I could go into it later or whatever, there's so many times I thought I was ready to date. I would talk to her dad. I was like 17, 18, and like he denied it, denied it. And I, I didn't know, understand why. And then, but what it ended up happening, which is awesome, because in that time I was still serving the Lord, and God used those moments to build our foundation as friends, which is awesome, which helps us in our marriage. All right. <clears throat> so our second question is, in one word, how would you define love when it comes to marriage? Chris? Just one word. Just one word. Uh, commitment. He stole my word. Do, do you want to elaborate? My word. Do you want to elaborate on that? Commitment. Well, well, you said one word. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, I would say, uh, yeah, definitely commitment. Because like in that last song, like, um, I will be content in every circumstance. That is in a nutshell what it is. That no matter what, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you are in life, you're in this for the long haul. I'm committed, I'm committed to my wife. So no matter what, that's it. We're in this together. Yeah, we talked about it last night. And we said commitment because you're not always going to feel the love but I've made a decision to love you, so I'm committed to this. I think um, humility would be the word that, I, that comes to my mind um, because you can't move forward in any kind of relationship or argument if, you're, if you have no humility. You always need to esteem the other person higher. Um, so that's mine. In the same context... My word is selfless or selflessness because you spend your whole life when you're single 
making decisions that are for your own best interest. But when you join and partner with somebody and you're in a holy union with somebody, now your decisions have to be for both of your best interests and many times to serve the other partner above yourself. Um, so in that same vein, the word I chose was selflessness to put the other person above yourself. I think I would say unconditional because just as the Lord is, gives us unconditional love, no matter how many times we mess up, I think that's an important word in marriage that sometimes when you're married for a length of time, you get really comfortable with one another. There's familiarity there. And you might be able, you might get to a place where you withhold love or affection for certain reasons that aggravate you. But God calls us as married couples to have unconditional love and to never turn that switch off when it's convenient to get what you want because that's manipulative. But just as God gives us unconditional love, I just feel like we need that in our marriage as well. It's tough to say, how do you define love in one word? I would say, um, especially in marriage, it's a choice. You have to choose to be married forever. Just like you choose to be married, you have to make a choice before you even get into marriage that I'm getting into something that's not going to be easy, but I choose, I choose for it to be forever. You know, the word love in, in, in English is one word love, but in Greek and Hebrew, there's multiple words for love. In Greek, there's different kinds of love. There's friendship love, which is phileo. Um, there is family love, which is storage. There's eros, which is romantic love. And then there's agape, which is God love, which is sacrificial love. And there are times where you have to choose all these types of love. I will choose to be a friend. I will choose to be romantic. I will work on all these things. I will choose to be sacrificial. And there's a choice. And life is decisions. And it's a, God has given us a free will. You can, have, you can choose not to. I will not forgive. I will hold a grudge. You know. I will not be kind. I will be angry. I will hold anger. I will hold bitterness. And that's where I think as a Christian, what we have that the world doesn't have, we have the help of the Holy Spirit. And so we can ask, God, I'm lacking in this area. I don't feel like forgiving but I choose to forgive. Now, Holy Spirit, give me the ability to forgive. Give me the ability. Give me the power to be who God's called me. Give me the heart to be sacrificial, not to be selfish. I'm not single anymore. I'm married. I'm called to protect, provide. And so I would say a choice. Love is a choice. This life is a series of choices that we make. And as Christians, you know, we should choose to be forever with the, the one that God has put us with. Amen. I just think it's so good because I think in the world, marriage is just so different. Like it's defined differently. And like you, you see that people don't change when they get into marriage. Their mindsets don't change. They kind of go into it and it's like, well, this is how I've lived my entire life. So I'm not going to be selfless. I'm not going to be humble. I'm not going to be committed because if I don't feel like you're treating me the way that I want it, then why am I going to stay, you know? So I think that it's important, like, knowing that this is a principle. Like, these are principles that you live with in marriage. And 
it's a covenant that you've made, not only to your spouse, but before God as well. So it's so powerful, so awesome. Um, yes. And I want to add too, to, and it kind of sounds a little heavy sometimes, but it's like a designer, a person that builds a toy. Like God designed marriage, so he knows how it works. And to the point where my wife was saying, if you're not in, Jesus is not the cornerstone of your marriage and you're trying to make it work and it doesn't seem like it's working. It's because you're not using the manual, which is the Bible. You're not going to the creator, the designer, which is God. And you're going to try, try over and over and over and try to fix that person. You know what I mean? Or fix yourself. But you need to ultimately understand it's God who designed marriage. And through God, you're going to have a blessed marriage full of fun, full of life, full of joy, full of excitement, and full of miracles. Amen? All right. I just want to add that in there. I guess along those lines... Um, will ask, how is conflict resolved in your marriage? And what do you do if you just can't agree? Who wants to take that one? <laughs> Don't all talk at once. <laughs> it's so easy for us to resolve conflict. <laughs> As you notice, Jared just gave me the mic. <laughs> in our house, um, it's, we don't fight pretty, you might say. Um, I'm not saying we cuss each other out. Um, but when we have an argument, it's usually something that's very important to us because we don't argue about a lot of the small things. And so we kind of, um, you know, you have to choose. Like, like we were just saying, you have to choose how you're going to respond. You have to choose to maybe walk away for a minute or set yourself aside and get your thoughts together, or calm down because your kids are listening, your children are watching every move that you make. And so we're always aware of that, and it's hard. I mean, in that moment, you want to fight, you know? And, <laughs> and as charming as Jared is, sometimes he can make me pretty mad. <laughs> but we try to... Um, be careful with our words. We're very careful with our words. We're very careful with what we say around our kids. And we don't let things linger for a long period of time. We move on with it. So we're usually too busy. We've got to move on to the next thing anyway. <laughs> I just want to add, um, the way we disagree or we fight, like we're both Marines. We're both trained to go into <laughs> conflict. So... So sometimes we go in there, what do you got? Let me see. I'm ready to fight. Let's, let's talk this out. Let's yell this out, whatever. But then it gets to a point where if I realize it's no long, I'm no longer acting like a Christian or behaving like a Christian, I got to say, I need to remove myself from this room, from this environment. I'll go to my room. I'll go to my car. I'll turn on Caleb. I'll do whatever I need to do because sometimes I just got to say, God, I need a break. I'm losing you in this moment. Can you feel me again? And, and sometimes, sometimes I need the Holy Spirit to connect with me again, but she still wants to fight it out. So I'm like, leave me alone. I need to walk away right now. Or, or vice versa. It's okay. Separate. Because I can't just stop right in the room and say, let's pray. Because I'm still having such feelings towards her about what we were arguing over that I just feel like if I prayed in that moment, she'd just be staring at me with those eyes the whole time. So I, I need to get out of this room for a minute. I need to pray. And let's just connect in like 15 minutes and we'll talk about this again. That's good. That's good. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there as well. I was in a conversation at work this week 
And a woman was asking me, she was saying, oh, I think I'm going to put an in-ground pool in. Do you think I should? And I said, well, do you have the money? And she said, no. I said, well, how are you going to do it? She said, I'm going to put it on a charge card. And I said, well, then no, I don't think you should put, <laughs> I don't think you should put an in-ground pool in. And one of the things that God spoke to me to speak to her was, you know, when you have financial problems, when you're buying things that you shouldn't be buying, um, that leads to marital problems sometimes. And it's, sometimes it just takes years and wisdom to learn that, but that's an easy thing. One decision that can throw everything off. Well, for us, we've had this unspoken rule. We never threaten with the D word. That's not an option for us from the beginning. We're in this till the end. And so um, no threats. Um, but also I feel like sometimes people misinterpret the verse about don't go to uh, bed with your anger. Um, I think it's like you're not always going to resolve your argument every day. We don't always resolve it. We might need to walk away for a couple days, but it's holding on to the bitterness that's different. We have to let go of that. But also I've learned over the years, it's taken a long time, but just because I think differently than him, that he has a different opinion, doesn't automatically mean that he's wrong. We have different opinions, different viewpoints. God gives us different wisdom, but that's why we're together because together we make the best decision. So we have to talk it out. And uh, I mean, this year will be 25 years. So we've seen <laughs> 25 years. No, but um, we, we definitely don't argue like we used to. Like we, we, we have had our share of doing it the wrong way. Uh, I'd say even the last five or six years, God has really shifted things with us because we've had to come to uh, agreement on a lot of things that we wouldn't normally do, you know? And so uh, God's brought us through circumstances and trying times that we've had to go with God. We've had to say, God, we don't know how to do this. We don't know how to figure this out. We've never been down this road before. So what do we do? And yet, just like Jared said, like sometimes we have to go on our own because we're both, we both in our hearts because of maybe how we brought up or how uh, our, our thinking is, we're both thinking in a different wavelength. And it doesn't necessarily mean we're wrong, but we have to find a way to bring those together that it will work. And so we, yeah, we do separate sometimes and then we'll come together and say, well, this is really how I feel. And she'll explain, this is how I feel. And if you're listening to each other, you're really going to understand, oh, that is legit. That's legitimate. You know, so never write off how they feel. Never write off that, that well, that's dumb. Why, why are you thinking like that? Because it's not, that's who she is. And this is who I am. So we've learned to really kind of accept our, each other's thinking and say, all right, God, help me to understand. I just want to say one more thing. There have been times where we could not come to agreement on something, and then we had to decide what to do there. And what we did was we called someone we respected. Yes. We called Pastor Ron yes. because it was a heavy thing. It, it regarded our children. We need to know what to do. And he loves to tell this story, of course, because Pastor Ron agreed with him. And I had a hard time with it, but I was like, you know what? I know that he hears from God. And as a mom, sometimes you can feel a certain way and be overwhelmed with your emotions. And you say, you know what? I'm going to take that um, authority, that yeah. wisdom from our leaders. So you go to someone. If you're stuck at an impasse, go to someone you trust. Go to someone in leadership and get their opinion. Yes, yes, that's good. 
One thing that I've learned over our 38 many years together is um, it's easy to push your point if there's something that you want him to do or want him to change. And sometimes we can be a little bit naggy. And like the Bible says, it's better to live on a roof than have a nagging wife. Um, <laughs> but what the Holy Spirit has kind of taught me over the years is rather than kind of beat a dead horse when he doesn't want to agree with maybe something that you want to do or don't want to do, I've learned that you give it to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, um, I really feel this is the way we should go, and I'm not going to be a nag. I give this problem to you. And if it's meant to be, if I'm right, talk to him. If he's right, please talk to me. And then I leave it alone, and I don't visit it again. And you know, the Holy Spirit, he will come through every time. And so I've learned to give it to him, and he's way better at convincing your spouse that they're wrong than you are. Yeah, God has a way of disciplining you, giving you a spanking when you need it. You know, I would say, um, you know, obviously, you have to learn how to fight right. One of the things that, that we've never done over the years is absolutely just lose control. You know, just let your flesh, your anger, just lose control. Um, because that's what, that's what destroys people. Words are very powerful. And if you allow anger to turn into hatred, the devil will take those things and will, will really hurt your spouse to a point where walls are built up. And so I would say, you know, don't lose control. And what, you know, what everyone's saying here is, is take time, walk away. Get a hold of yourself. Get a grip. Get a grip. Um, you know, first of all, we have the, the power through the Holy Spirit. You know, we do have the power to get a grip. But again, you have to know when you're going into a fight, you have to say to yourself, I'm not going to lose control over this. I'm not going to become an animal. You know, um, I'm a man of God. Remind yourself who you are. Jesus is in the house. This is, this is the Lord's daughter. You know, if, I, if I'm going to hurt her, I, I'm going to be in big trouble with her dad, you know. And so take time. You know, I, I just um, close this by saying this, that men and women are very different. And we have to understand that. And so the way I think is very different than my wife because she, she's, you know, a woman. And many times she'll, she'll have greater wisdom and insight than even I have um, because she sees things in a way that I don't see them. We have to appreciate those differences. And, and I'm the type where I have to resolve things right away. Like if we get into a fight, I can't live, I can't, I, that feeling of tension and I hate that feeling. And I want to resolve it. She goes in and shuts down and gets quiet and walks away, and I want to fix it. 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 And I've learned you can't. you got to deal with it with God and allow it. But then at the same time, you know you have to resolve conflict. You can't let it go and let it go. And if you need help, you get help. But you get help from, first of all, the Bible says, seek not the counsel of the ungodly. 
You don't talk to your hairdresser. You don't talk to your boss at work. You don't talk to your uncle. You don't talk to your aunt that people don't know God. You seek the wisdom of those who will pray for you and give you God's word. Amen. All right. So our next question, what do you do when romantic feelings begin to wane and how do you keep the fire burning? So excited for this one. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> okay, she's not letting me hand that one over. Um, I want to hear the answer. <laughs> uh, when, the thing is, those romantic feelings will go. You know, you're going to have times where you don't feel love. You don't feel, uh, a, you don't feel the connection with your spouse. But it doesn't matter. You're still going to press through. You're still going to say, you're going to still go out of your way. I love you. And try to show her that you appreciate her. Try to show her that you love her. That no matter what, I'm in this with you. So uh, even when they wane, it doesn't matter. You're in this. So. I just, um, for me, a lot of times it's my thoughts. You know, you, you start to not appreciate who he is. He doesn't care about me, whatever. I'm just waiting for him to show me he loves me first. Um, and I've learned, I have to take those thoughts captive and I have to remind myself. And I say, no, I love him. Look at how great a father he is. Look at all the things he does for me. He works hard for me. And I have to change that inner dialogue. And then again, I remember why I fell in love with him. I don't even know what to say after that. <laughs> I, I think you have to be intentional because sometimes when you don't feel like you should, you know that you should. You know that you're committed to this relationship. Um, so you have to be intentional. And I've learned that flowers are not just an awesome thing to buy when you're in trouble. Buy them randomly. Bring home flowers sometimes randomly and introduce something and... Because you'd be surprised the reaction at, whoa, like you can reintroduce a spark of love by bringing home flowers randomly. But you have to be intentional. You have to be looking for ways that your wife is speaking to you when she's not using her words. You have to be alert. You have to be aware and you have to be intentional to what her needs are. And I'm not saying I meet that every time, but I'm looking, I'm looking. I didn't know you were so in tune. <laughs> but I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> I, I would agree. Um, I think it's important to recognize when it's happening um, so that you can change what's happening and say, okay, maybe we need to set some time aside. Maybe we need to take a weekend or get a babysitter for a night um, or just put the kids to bed early so you just have a few extra hours together because you just get so busy in life. And even in the church, you know, we're at ministry throughout the week and we work and we have different things going on. And so you really have to be intentional and notice and know what's going on in your relationship. Otherwise, it's like everything else, you know, it just gets pushed to the side. So it's important to pay attention, be alert. Um, I think it's just really important to invest in your marriage. You know, in life, we invest in our jobs. We invest in the stock market to try to get a good return on our money. We invest in all kinds of things, but how much are you investing in your marriage? And sometimes when that, you know, those romantic feelings wane, um, you need to spend a little time, a little energy, and a little money 
on your spouse. And, and the getaways are, are important. Um, when you have two, three, four, five, six kids, um, there's n pretty much not much time to just really spend alone time because you're just surrounded by kids and chores and house things and jobs. So when you sneak away, whether it's a weekend, I agree with Natalie, or if we tried since we were uh, married 10 years, um, every year since then we do a week alone, we get away. It doesn't have to be anywhere fancy. Um, talk to me because I know how to travel cheap. I'll give you some pointers. <laughs> but that time is just special. You just are, it's like a honeymoon all over again. And it just rekindles everything and it sparks everything again. And your kids, when you're away, we found when we got back, they appreciated us so much more because they missed us. And it resets your whole family. Yeah, yeah and it can, it can just be one night. You know, just go somewhere for a night, right? Um, you know, let me say this, that intimacy is necessary in marriage. Um, we do a, we're going to do something just for married couples in April, and we'll go deeper into this. But, but it's important that you realize that intimacy is necessary in marriage. It's important in marriage. You have to learn about it. You have to do whatever you need to do to have that as part of your marriage. Um, it's important. It's probably really mo more important for a man, because that's what a man's looking for right from the beginning. Um, but it's important. I remember Pastor Steve at a marriage seminar saying, having intimacy is like having a nuclear bomb go off and it has a way of destroying all the garbage in a marriage. It brings you back together, and it's powerful. It's powerful in the Lord, in marriage. Intimacy is powerful. It's necessary. You know, and, um, and so you have to work on that aspect of the marriage because it, there's something sacred about it, something important about it. It's just not to procreate. There's a lot more to it. It's sacred. It's powerful. And so you have to work on it. Like you can't just kind of, you know, if, if you're not having, like one of the first things that, that people come to me for marriage counseling, they say, we haven't been intimate in I don't know how long. That's a serious problem. You haven't invested in it. That's important. And, well, you know, people see, say, think it's not spiritual. It is spiritual. People think, well, that's not really holy. It is holy. In the marriage, it's holy. It's sacred. It's powerful. And so you have to work on that aspect of the marriage. It's important. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Let's give a round of applause to our panel. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with family and friends. It helps so much. For more content with Legacy and to connect with us, go to LegacyChurchRI.com. The best is yet to come.